0: of covenants, and like I said, this is part four, and so we're going to look, we're going to look, continue to look at Abraham a little bit today, but the setting was uh, that Jesus had just been crucified, and it looked like all had been lost, it looked like things were not going to turn out the way that those first disciples, those first believers thought it was going to work out, but then Jesus rose from the dead. And he showed himself to, to many people, some hundreds, somewhere around 500 people that Jesus showed himself to. And I'm sure if you watched a, a man die and then you watched him stand before you, it would, uh, it would uh, re-energize you a little bit, praise God. I've never seen anyone dead and then alive again, um, but I can only imagine that it would, uh, you know, that it would uh, re stir some fire up restir some passion up for maybe some things that I thought were lost, uh, but that had been found again, praise God. And so, in chapter 2 of Acts, we know that the Spirit is poured out, and we have these people, and they're speaking in this language, and people are like, what is going on? Peter gets up, does this first apostolic message, basically speaking to the Jews, saying, hey, (laughs) you know, you did this, Uh, and the Bible says that they were pricked in their hearts, and Basically like, hey, what do we do? Obviously with this word that we're heard, yes, we did this. We're acknowledging that we did this, but hey, what do we do now? And so Peter basically gives them Acts 2.38, but then in Acts 2.39, he says, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. He says, Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so this promise, again, it was, it, this promise was all about Jesus, not just the speaking in tongues part, but that Jesus had been prophesied about coming about his life, about his death, and it was, again, it was an old promise. It wasn't a new promise that just showed up, but it had been a promise that was there for a long time. How many, how many was, you know, how many do you ever had a, someone give you a promise? You know, how many have ever promised your children something? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. They, they don't, they don't forget. <laughs> And then, then they remind you at the most inconvenient time. You're like, you promised? Like, yes, we did. But this promise had first been revealed to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 and then further established with Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. In verse 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those that bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families um, on the earth will be blessed through you. And so God really give, gave Abram at this time. Obviously, we know that God changed his name to Abraham. Um, but he gave him some pro- a promised land. Everybody say promised land. Promised land. Praise God. promise, And then a promised offspring. And then he gave him a promise of a universal blessing. So there's really three things that God really gave to Abram in chapter 12, um, but it wasn't until a little bit further on that he would really take this promise a step further or this covenant a step further when he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And so the covenant of Abraham included everybody, but God had to choose someone or needed to use someone. Praise God. And so God also made it an everlasting covenant, which is, which is super key. So if we go from chapter 12 of Genesis, and then we're going to jump to seven, chapter 17 of Genesis, it says this in verse 10. It says, this is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Okay, and again, I mean, if you got, imagine, this is Abr- you know, Abram talking to God a little bit before. God has, you know, promised him land, promised him an offspring, promised him a blessing that, you know, maybe, maybe he understood that promise. You know, maybe he didn't. Um, But he just believed, and he was going after, you know, really what God had for him. And so God's finalizing this covenant um, with Abraham, and he says, Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And really up until that point, you know, know, Abraham's probably like, or Abram's like, "What, What is, what, hey, God, can you run that by me again? What is that? And so... It, it was this new thing. That guy was like, "Hey, this is going to be an everlasting covenant, and you're going to have to do this." But it was a new thing, and Abram had never had to do this before. And you know, you know, maybe you know, you never had to be circumcised before. But um, you know, it didn't sound like it doesn't it doesn't sound like a, a, a an easy process. Praise God. And all the men said, "Amen." Where's all my men at? Okay, awkward. Let's. Do I have any men in the house today? (laughs) And so he goes on in verse 11, and he says, hey, this is what it is. He says, and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. Verse 12 says, and he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with the money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. So he says, hey, if you're going to be part of this, it doesn't matter. If you were born this way, if you were born into this with this bloodline or not, or if you were bought, hey, this is what you're doing. Verse 13 says, he that is born in thy house, he that is bought with thy money, must, he repeats. So this is a pretty big deal. He repeats it. He says, must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for, and it says an everlasting covenant. Okay, I'm not very bright. But when God says it's an everlasting covenant, I think that means that it's everlasting. It's forever. It's going to go on and on. I'm not sure what that everlasting word means in the English, but I think it just means everlasting. Praise God. Verse 14, it says, and the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of the foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. And so with God, it was either you're in or you're out. And there wasn't really anything in between. It wasn't like you're sort of in or you're sort of out. It was either you're all in or you're all out. Praise God. And he said that's going to be for everlasting. And so when we wake up in 2019, we can know for sure that, hey, you're either going to be all in or you're going to be all out. I remember as a teenager trying to do this thing both ways. And let me tell you, it doesn't work. (laughs) You can't be half serving God and half serving the world or Vice versa, you, you just can't do it. You're either all in or you're all out. The covenant made with Abraham is the, the only covenant wherein God required a continual sign or seal of keeping that covenant. And so if you look back at the promises of God promising this land and God promising offspring, again, and Abraham was like 99 years old um, when God was promising that. He didn't, you know, he didn't have the, the child. He had children, but it wasn't the one that God had said would come through through Sarai or Sarah. So what would be harder? Would it be harder for God to do his part of the bargain, or would it be for Abraham to complete his part? And then we find out Abraham responds in verse twenty-three, it says, And Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin. What does it say? In the self-same day as God had said unto him. And Abraham was 90 years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. So here we've got a 13-year-old. We've got a 99-year-old. But it doesn't matter. When you, when you get experienced, when God is speaking Whenever it is in your life, for Ishmael, it it was 13 when God was starting that covenant with Abraham, but Abraham was 99, and I know he lived on long before then, and I know they lived, you know, a long time, but I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't really care how long you live, 99, (laughs) I mean, 99 is old. (laughs) I know we don't have any 99-year-olds in here, but when I'm 99, I'm not really looking forward to, I don't want to, I just don't want to be here, I don't know, (laughs) Take me on here, you know, but I definitely don't want to be getting circumcised <laughs> at ninety nine. There's a lot of things, but I don't know that circumcision is one of those things that yes, well, yeah, let's let's wait till you're ninety nine to do it. But regardless, it didn't matter. It didn't matter how uncomfortable it was or it was about to be. He says in verse twenty six again. He says in the self same day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son. And all the men of his house, born in the house and bought with the money of the stranger, were circumcised with him. So God made this an everlasting covenant and for all generations, and it included everyone. And so if it is an everlasting covenant, and again, this probably happened four to six thousand years ago, I'm not sure. You know, I wasn't there, so I'm not really sure, but it happened a long time ago. And so if this is an everlasting covenant, and God said this was going to be for all generations, Where what are we supposed to do? How are we to manage this everlasting covenant that God put into into motion? So I'm glad you asked. Just kidding. Most of you probably know, but that's why we come, come to keep strong in the faith. Colossians chapter two verses six through ten says, "As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him." And so Paul's talking to this church. He's writing this letter. And he's saying, hey, as you have received Christ. And so maybe if you've never looked at this passage, you're like, hey, how did they receive Christ? So he continues on. He says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. There's one faith, praise God. As you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. He says in verse 9, it says, For in him, him being Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Praise God. All, yeah, that's right, all the fullness. And this isn't a message about the oneness of God, but again, this is, hey, this is, Jesus was that veil that separated all of God from the people. Praise God. All of God that could be God was in that body of the man Christ Jesus. Praise God. Well, not a part of it, not a piece of it, not a third of it, not a half of it, not an eighth of it. But all the fullness, praise God. It was God that was manifested in the flesh. Praise God. Verse 10, it says, and ye are complete in him. That's good. Which is the head of all principalities and power. And so the verse, it it ends with a semicolon in your Bible. And so the thought continues on. And so Paul here, yeah, Paul, he's, he's writing to this church and he's saying, hey, as you have received Christ, walk in him be built up in him, okay? You're complete in him. And so, you know, maybe if, you know, maybe someone got a hold of this letter and they're like, well, that's interesting. How do I know if I'm complete in him? How do I know if I'm rooted and grounded and built up in him? He continues on in verse 11. He says, in whom also ye are circumcised. And then he continues, he says, with the circumcision made without hands, right? Because that first circumcision was made with hands, the one that God originally gave to Abraham. But We know that there was some foreshadowing going on, and he continues and he says, With the circumcision made without hands, now. So now it's a circumcision made without hands. With Abraham, it was one with hands. And now Paul is tying these together and saying, and now it's a circumcision without hands. And you're saying, Well, okay, well, how did okay now that it's without hands, now what do we do? Well, I'm glad Paul continued. He says, verse 12, buried with him in baptism. So that's water baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Through the faith of the operation of God, that's Holy Spirit baptism, praise God, who hath raised him from the dead. And so the Old Testament, so the New Testament counterpart to that Old Testament circumcision is water baptism. So if you've never been water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ like the first apostles did, I mean, you can go out, and if you've never done this, it's something that you should definitely do. But if you can go to one of these big libraries that has old encyclopedias, you know, and you go to the, you know, if you're Catholic today, my mom, she grew up Catholic. Um, if you're Catholic today, I don't mean any disrespect, but in your own in your own encyclopedia, you can look up water baptism, and you can see where they, when their own in admission say, hey, it used to be in the name of Jesus. Those first disciples, those first believers, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and then we changed it. (laughs) Yeah, you should change it back. (laughs) Let's just change it back. And so this is how we find our way into the covenant of Abraham. This is how we find our way into those promises of promised land, a promised offspring, a promised blessing is through that water baptism. And so it's not you're not just going down dry and coming up wet or going down dirty and coming up clean in the flesh, but it's it's a part of covenant. It's something that God required. And so what is the pattern? And so again, Abraham the self same day took all of his male, all of his men, and circumcised them. Exodus chapter 4 verse 21 through 26. This is a little Excerpt about Moses' life. and it says, "The Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, that he will not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Okay? And so God is speaking to Moses and God tells Moses, hey, Moses, this is what you're going to do, and I'm going to do all these things, but I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and you just, you're just you going to be my mouthpiece, and you just go. And uh, and so Moses, no doubt, was on his way to go, and in verse 24, it says, and it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. <laughs> We've got a pretty quick turnaround here. We've got God saying, hey, Moses, I'm about to do all this awesome things through you. You're about to... You're about to go do all these wonderful wonders in the sight of Pharaoh, and you're going to you know, tell the, you know, the most powerful man in the world to you know, let all of his slaves go. But <laughs> then in the next verse, God is seeking to take Moses' life. In verse 25, it says, Then Sipporah, which was his wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, a bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. And so somewhere along the line, Moses, he had forgotten to circumcise his own kid. And here we've got God about to pass judgment on the entire uncircumcised population of the Egyptians. But Moses realizes that, hey, I'm about to go do this. And I'm about to really, in other words, put judgment on this group of people that are uncircumcised. But my own son is uncircumcised. And so this judgment that, I'm a, that God's about to do could very well fall on my son. And so God is seeking to take say, Moses, that hey, this thing that I did with Abraham, it was for all generations. It was for, hey, if you're going to be part of this thing, if you're going to be part of this blessing, then you better get yourself circumcised. You better, you better do it. Else you're going to fall under the judgment. And so in the New Testament, we see that there were no delayed baptisms. And so let's look at some of those verses here real quick. Acts 2 and, 2 and 41, it says, Then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Acts 8, But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts eight thirty six. And as they went on their, where, their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water what doth hinder me to be baptized and in two verses later, he says, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Acts 9, and he imme- and immediately there fell from his eyes, I think this is Paul's conversion, scales, and he received his sight and arose and was baptized. Acts 10, this is Cornelius' story. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as we have? And then in the next verse, verse 48, he says, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him to carry certain days, or carry certain days. Acts 16, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. So again, he's got these, the disciples are out there just sharing this message, sharing this message, sharing this message, and different people are hearing the word. God's opening their hearts. Paul, again, this was, Paul was doing this, and then in verse 15, it says, and when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, if we have judged us, be faithful, stay here. So they're out everywhere preaching and teaching and doing it and saying, and then people are realizing, okay, the Bible doesn't tell us what the message was. That'd be cool if it did, you know, exactly, hey, this is what they exactly said, but they just said they were preaching Jesus, and anytime you preach Jesus, obviously, there's the gospel and the baptism. And part of that is, is hey, Abraham did it the self same day. That was the pattern. The pattern is, is when you hear, you receive. You respond immediately. You don't sit around and wait for years and years to get into the covenant. You want to get into the covenant, praise God. And then Paul, uh, when he's recounting his personal testimony toward the end of Acts, he says, and now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So even Paul, when at the end, when he's... Again, Paul went everywhere just sharing his testimony, sharing his testimony. And he was, hey, even me, when I heard it was I did it immediately. I wasn't waiting around. I wanted to be in the covenant. Because again, you're either in or you're out. Praise God. Galatians three twenty-six through twenty-nine says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And so how did they know that they were marked by the true faith? They had been baptized. It says there's in verse twenty, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Praise God. So what was that promise? Promised land. How many? How many's looking forward to heaven? Praise God. John fifteen says, abide in me. Or he said John fourteen, and if I go, prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you. Unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Yeah. Praise God. When you get yourself in covenant and you get that promise, the promised land, praise God. I don't want any land down here on earth. I want heavenly land. Yeah. I want a heavenly mansion. You can have your mansion down here on earth, but it's hey, don't, don't do it in California. Don't do it in California. Yeah. Because anything down here, it's going to burn. Yeah. It, it's not going to last, right. but a heavenly mansion lasts. Promised offspring, John 15, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. When you're in covenant, we're going to bring forth much fruit. Spiritual offspring, spiritual babies, spiritual family, praise God. And then that promised blessing, praise God, as we stand this morning in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. And so, man, when we get ourselves in covenant, that's our job now, is to go out and just begin to share and share and say, Hey, have you got yourself into covenant? Praise God. Have you been water baptized? that everlasting covenant, praise God. If you have not today been water baptized in the name of Jesus by immersion, please don't leave today without seeing somebody and getting yourself into covenant, praise God. Let's worship with the worship team. Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise today, Lord, for that everlasting covenant that you initiated through Adam, but it wasn't just for Abraham.